Man, you can sit down. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles in the back there. Um, it would be good if you read along and try to look up with us as we go, um, and just instead of just taking my word for it, of course, but um, I think you can trust me, but just in case. But along with that song, Romans 8, 28, well, Romans eight thirty one. what then shall we say in response to this, God's grace? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It is Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall trouble, shall hardship, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. That has nothing to do with my sermon, except for everything to do with my sermon. God is with us. God is for us. Through Jesus Christ, through His love, God has shown us His love. We are talking about the gospel in 30 words, right? The good news in 30 words. And I want to review real quick, because we're coming to the end. We're going to be at the last phrase here. But the gospel in one word, what is it? Let me hear it loud and proud. The gospel in one word. Jesus. A little louder. Jesus. Thank you. What's the gospel in three words? Jesus is, with us. Jesus is Lord. Close. Jesus is Lord. He is King. He not only wants to make all things right, He not only wants to redeem the world to Himself, but He can. He's able. He is King. He's sovereign. He's Lord. Jesus is Lord. What's the gospel in 30 words? We'll do it. I'll help you out here. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. Alright? Good job. That was pretty good. I liked it. Those of you who can read, you read well. It was good. I have had the privilege of sharing in the life of God for over 30 years. I have shared in the life of God for over 30 years. Most of my life, I have shared in the life of God, been a part of His family, have benefited from His grace and His mercy and His provision. I have been a part of a family who raised me and pointed me to Jesus, who raised me and brought me to know um, the kindness and the goodness of God through their parenting and the provision of me, through their prayers for me. I have been benefiting and sharing in the life of God for over 30 years. And I've seen what the family of God, sharing in the life of God, can do and be. My family, uh, many of you know a story. Uh, My dad uh, lost his job when I was about 8, 9, 10 years old in that realm. 
and he had a hard time. That sent our family into a really long season of, of struggle, financial hardship. We moved seven times in six years. We lived in a house without much water. The well didn't work. We had to bring the water in, flush our toilets with buckets and all that stuff. Um, we were on the verge of bankruptcy, um, and we were extremely dependent on the community that came around us. We were extremely dependent on the church, the people of God. And we would, we would uh, come home from church some days and there would be bags of groceries on our doorstep that someone had left. Or my dad would open up his Bible and someone had slipped a check in there for, for the amount that we needed. Uh, people opened up their houses to us. Uh, we got to shower in different people's homes and, as we lived in a place without water. And so I have experienced the shared life of God and the benefit of being a part of His family for years. The goal of the Gospel, and I'm going to unpack this, but it's to share in God's life, to live in loving and fruitful relationship with God. That's what we were meant for, that's what we were created for, and that's where we, all of this is headed. Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith. I knew my in-laws would be here. They'd appreciate this. Actually, I was going to do this before I found out you came. The chief end of man and women of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the Westminster Confession of Faith. The chief end of humanity, the purpose for which humanity was created, where we are designed to end up and plug in is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Uh, a guy named John Piper uh, has done work on this, and he is famous for making this statement and writing tons of books, and every sermon is basically this point. The chief end of humanity is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. That these are, are connected. That he goes on to say, God is most glorified in us, most honored in us, when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The chief sin of humanity is a sin of idolatry. We were designed to worship and to love and to serve and to be in relationship with, with God, with our Creator. And when we turn from that, we miss our vocation. We miss our purpose. We miss the mark. That's what sin is called. It's not so much breaking rules. It's missing our God-given vocation to reflect the image of God. And to be satisfied ultimately in Him. And so we glorify God when we're satisfied in Him. When we enjoy Him. When we live in relationship with Him. And so we are created to live in loving and fruitful relationship with God. This is why you were made. So I want to really quickly uh, prove it to you. But just let's look at the beginning and the end of, of Scripture, of our story, of humanity's story. God is writing a story, and, he's, and it, it, it is a beautiful story, and it begins in Genesis. And what happens in Genesis? In the beginning, God, what? Made the earth. Yeah, created the heavens and the earth. He made the earth. Good, Sanaya. He created the heavens and the earth. And He says it was good. Seven times, that's the number of fullness and completeness and perfection. He says, this is good. This is really good. He made the world. And he made humanity. And he, what does he say? 
he, he creates humanity and he says, um, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Care for the earth. Tend this garden with me. Cultivate it. Nurture it. And we see in, in Genesis 3.8, after they fall, after they sin, God is walking in the garden. What does that say? Have you ever thought about this? God is walking in the garden. There is this intimacy with humanity that they experience with God. There's a shared life with God. And when you share life with God, there is fruitfulness. There is shalom. There is wholeness. Right? There is paradise. So our story begins walking in in a garden with God. Now where does our story end? It's yet to be completed. In Revelation 21, you have God not in a garden, but in a city with His people. So we start in a garden, and we end in a city, and the same thing is true, that God is present with us, and there is fruitfulness, and there is shalom, and there is wholeness, and there is shared life. Revelation 21, uh, verses 1 through 5 will get us there. If you want to look it up, if you've got one of these Bibles, I'll give you the page number. Revelation 21 is on page 860, and we're going to start in verse 1. And I read this passage a lot because it informs, I think it's so important, it forms who we are. If we know where we're going, we it, it changes everything. And this is where we're going. I saw the, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, now pay attention to this, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is some of the most intimate language you can use, right? Uh, uh, The marriage, the joining of a husband and a wife in lifelong partnership, in mutual sharing, in covenant love. He's saying, God, the city of God is coming down As a, as a bride. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now, now listen to this, the dwelling of God is with men, humanity, and God will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. What's the result of this intimate sharing of God's life? Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And He said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. We are meant, our beginning, our origin, and our end is to live in loving, fruitful relationship with God, to share in His life. When we share in God's life, fruitfulness, wholeness, shalom is the result. That's where we're headed. That's what the good news is all about. It's about paradise, lost, restored. It is about our relationship with God, humanity's relationship with God, brought back to where it's supposed to be. See, our journey is about reunion. All right? Reunion is a, is a, a powerful word, really. 
We can think of family reunions, and those are fun, right? Most of the time. In my experience, they've been fun. But I know sometimes it can be tense. But why are they tense? Because there's brokenness in a relationship, right? But when you think of a reunion, you think what we're talking about here is something, uh, a return to what was. It's about this once perfect union restored into an even more perfect union that results in peace and flourishing in all creation, right? Our, we were created to share in God's life. That relationship was broken. And now God has been at work since that moment in time to bring humanity and all creation back to share in this life. It's about reunion. It's like a broken marriage being restored and um, living in, in oneness. So the good news states that this reunion is only made possible through a person. One person. This reunion between humanity and God, this restoration, this reconciliation, occurs through one person. This is why the gospel is, in one word, is? You with me? Let's hear it a little louder. Yeah, good, all right. The gospel, in one word, is Jesus, because Jesus is the only one who can restore and bring about reunion between humanity and their Creator, between all creation that we can share in God's life. And so... The good news is, the goal of the good news, let me say this. I want you to hear this carefully, okay? I'm going to read it so I say it right. The goal of the good news is not so much to get people to a place called heaven. Got your attention? The goal of the good news is not so much to get people to a place called heaven, but rather to get people with a person named Jesus, and therefore to share in the life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The goal of humanity is not to escape the world and get to this place called heaven. The goal of the gospel is to be reunited with our Creator and that it's to be with the person that is the, the means of life with and in God. So heaven is a result of being in relationship with God. Heaven is like the fireworks that happen when all things are reconciled to Jesus. It's a natural result, and we're going to look at it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, new creation. There's no he is or she is or that person is. In the Greek, it's if anyone is in Christ, new creation. It's like this, this spark that ignites the renewal of all things. When we are brought into relationship and reunion with God, new creation is the result. Heaven is the result. The kingdom of God is at hand when Jesus comes in. So, we are created to be in loving, fruitful relationship with God. And so I want to look at this passage, 1 John 4, or no, 1 John 1, 1 through 4. All right, to get at this a little bit deeper. It's on page 844 if you want to look it up. Or on your app. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. It's also on the screen. It's very nice. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. 
We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. You might highlight that in your text. That you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Jesus, or John, is talking about the ground of the gospel. Remember, the, the gospel in 30 words, I neglected to say and remind. Jesus is God with us, is the ground, the foundation of this good news. The fact that he shows us God's love, saves us from sin, sets up his kingdom, shuts down performance-based religion, are the four gifts of the gospel. And the goal of the gospel is that we would share in his life. What John is saying is that this, he's describing here at first the ground of the gospel, the foundation of the gospel, what we would call the incarnation, right? God with flesh moved in the neighborhood. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and hands have touched. What he's saying is that which was from the beginning, what was at the beginning before anything else? Can I get it? It looks like a squirrel, but is Jesus. God. God was at the beginning, right? He is eternal. He created the world out of nothing. This is a, 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 a kickback to Genesis, right? Saying, in the beginning, who was in the beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For uh, John 1 says, the word was, in the beginning was the, what? Word. We know that to be Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him and by Him, and nothing that has been made has been made apart from Him. So that which was from the beginning, this God, it, we get the, the subject later, it says, concerning the Word of life, this life, the author of life, the source of life, He says, I have touched Him. I've seen him. I ate dinner with this life. I experienced this life. I heard this life. Oh, did I tell you? He piles up these verbs. I saw him. Did I tell you I saw him? Did I saw, tell you I heard him? Hey, did I tell you I saw him? I saw the author of life, the source of life, the one who created us. I experienced him in flesh and bone. That's what John is saying. He says, this is my message. This is what I'm sharing. This is why I exist. Believe me. He says, I testify to this. I proclaim this. This is what we talk about because it's world changing. So why does he share? We got in verses 3 through 4 the reasons why he shares. He shares so that, do I have it? We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard and touched and experienced, this, this life made flesh, so that you also, so that, that's a key, right? Let's, let's do English grammar. So that you also may have fellowship with us. Why do we share this good news of God become flesh? So that you would have fellowship with us, with people who are following Jesus and believe. And guess what? 
our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You can add in, by the Holy Spirit, if you want. We write this to make our joy complete. Why is the, this is why we say it's the ground of the gospel, is the incarnation, that Jesus is God with us. What does this lead to? It leads to fellowship, shared life in the life of God. This is the goal of the gospel. Let me explain. What does fellowship mean? This Greek word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down like this. Fellowship means a new family on a new mission. When we trust in Jesus and begin following Him, we are given a new family and we are given a new mission. It's a family on mission. And let me explain this. Uh, did I skip? Oh, no. My slides. Oh, okay. There's, oh, no. Okay, well, you'll just have to, I don't have it written down, but it's okay. Okay, so the new family, this word for fellowship. Hey, Luke. You want to have fellowship with me? All right, cool. The, this word, fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia. I had a slide for it. It got disappeared. Koinonia. Have you heard? There's churches, there's coffee houses named koinonia. You, know, you hear it all, all over the place. This is the word fellowship. What this word means is mutual sharing, partnership, and even shared ownership. Okay? Mutual sharing, partnership, even shared ownership. This is koinonia. This is fellowship. So uh, he, this is amazing. The good news of, of John here is that in Jesus, you can have fellowship. You can have shared partnership. You can live a life of mutual sharing and shared ownership with us, with the followers of Jesus. You have a new family, a new family that we, is reciprocal that we will love you and care for you and serve you, and you can love and care and serve us. You are given a new family, no matter where you're from, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your background, no matter your language, no matter what you've done or will do. You have a new family and an opportunity to be loved and cared for and, and to serve and to be served. So, And we see this come into fruition, right? In, in Acts, Acts 2.42. What's it say they were doing? In Acts 2.42, you can look it up. It says, they daily together, the new believers, followers of Jesus, daily met. They sat under the apostles' teaching. They gathered in their homes and they broke bread. They ate together. And, they, and none of them had any need. There was no need among them. This new family, this powerful reality that as we follow Jesus, we're given a new Family, fellowship, partnership, mutual sharing. A couple weeks ago, Alex shared his testimony. And it's powerful, right? Of his adoption into the hardened family. That Alex had experienced really difficult things, was basically without family. And the family that he was in was uh, destructive and harmful and wounding. And he was adopted into the Hardin family. He was brought in to the Hardin family. And when he was, uh, when my parents brought him home, he entered into the fellowship, the koinonia of the Hardins. The shared partnership, the mutual sharing, the shared ownership of the Hardin family. He was given the name Hardin. A new name, a new identity. He was given all the benefits of what it means to be a Harden. Awesome brothers and sisters. Hey, Art. 
awesome brothers and sisters. Um, he was given um, aunts and uncles that loved him and cared for him. He, he received the benefits of living as a hardened, right? He received safety and stability and love and provision, right? Um, he received an extreme, extremely wise mother who loves him and has wisdom up the wazoo, whatever that means. I probably shouldn't say that from the pulpit. Um, he received a father that loved him and provided for him. He received um, this our inheritance. Like he's going to receive an equal share of our parents' wealth, whatever that is. He was brought into this family. That's what it means to have fellowship. That's why the gospel is good news, because you get a new family. You're brought in to this family. No matter where you're from, what you've done, who you are, what you look like, you're brought in. And you got new brothers and sisters. And you got provision. And you got safety. You've got stability. That's how we are brought in to the family of God. But that's not all. Because he goes on to say that this is even deeper, right? He says that our fellowship, he says, yeah, you get to be a part of our family. If you believe, I share this so you can be a part of our family. And it's awesome. We share everything. We, we care for one another. We bear one another's burdens. We said, you know what's special? Because any family can care for one another. Um, not, not super well, but, but it's a pretty good family. You come, but what's special about our family is that our fellowship is in the fellowship of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Like You come into this family, you're in the family of God. You're in the eternal, relational, loving relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You gain entrance into the life you were meant to live, the shared life of God. That is everything. That changes everything. That's powerful. It's life-transforming. So when we place our trust in Jesus, we're not just joining any old family. We're joining the family and the life of God. It's like a tree. It's like branches in in a vine, right? It's connected to a vine. Um, We can have branches and... But apart from the vine, we're dead. Jesus said something about this, right? That we, when our life together, our community together, our shared life together is only as strong as that to which it is connected. And the Christian life is connected to the source of life, the author of life, Jesus. And that is where we bear fruit as we're connected to that one vine. And that's what makes us one tree with many different branches, many different gifts, and bearing fruit in the world. So, that is what we were made for, is fellowship with God. Now, we get a new mission as well. It's a new family on mission. Because we don't just join a family and just soak in the benefits. We also, we don't just get the blessings of the family, we get the mission and the purpose of the family. So let's go back to Alex, right? Alex, he shares in the benefits, but he also gets a share in the responsibilities, of the family, right? He's loved, he's cared for, but he also gets to show us love and care and support. I mean, he, he watches my kids and he takes care of my parents' animals uh, when he was living at the house. And he's also, not just his responsibilities, but he gets to be a part of the hardened mission, like to bless people and to love people and to serve people and to bring other people into our home and other people into our 
family life and to spread the love of Jesus, which is the mission of the Harden family. So we get a new family, but we also get a new mission. See, uh, we are blessed to be a blessing. Have you heard that before? We're blessed to be a blessing. We're not just containers for blessing. We're conduits for blessing, right? We don't just like get poured into, oh yeah, this is sweet. Okay, okay, okay. No, it's like there's an outlet. There's a conduit. We send them along. We pass them along. And so we are blessed to be a part of the family of God and then sent on mission to pass the blessings on. We're given a mission. So let's go back to the gifts of the gospel. Jesus is God with us, not only to show us his love, but to invite us to be a people of love that love the world in a Jesus kind of way. The gift of the gospel that Jesus saves us from sin and is victorious over sin, not only frees us, but freed people, free people. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the very same victory over sin and death as others. And so you have in Luke 9, Jesus casting out demons and healing the sick and walking on water. And then he's got in Luke 8, it's all these stories. He does these amazing things. He heals the woman who had been bleeding for uh, 12 years and all of this. And then it gets to Luke 9 and his disciples are there. And he says, hey, go. You go. All I give you the authority to proclaim the kingdom of God. You heal. You cast out demons and come back and tell me about it. And they did. They're conduits of blessing. So we not only experience freedom, but we become freedom bearers. We become victorious. As we read in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He didn't just set up his kingdom so that we could live in it, right? He set up his kingdom so that we could partner with him to extend it. We get to be a part. That's just how God makes it work. He chooses to partner with His people. That's how He's always done it, from Abraham to David to uh, Israel is is His partners. From very creation all throughout history and now with the church, He has chosen to partner with humanity to extend His kingdom and His mission. He He empowers it. It's all Him. But we get to be a part of it. So, to end, I want to show you 2 Corinthians what is 5.14. This is working with God, koinonia, mutual partnership, shared life, fellowship with God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us, made us right to Himself, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What did He give us? He gave us something to do, right? He gave us a mission. He just didn't reconcile us into a family. He sends us out on mission, giving us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He has committed to us. What has He committed? Commission, committed, same root, committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that in Him 
we might become the righteousness of God as God's, chapter 6 is powerful, as God's co-workers, co-laborers, sharing, fellowship, koinonia, mutual partnership, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. We are brought into a family, given a new family with a new mission. That is the reconciliation of the world to God. That is the peace and the justice and the mercy and the healing that comes only through Jesus. It's awesome, right? Can I get an amen somewhere? Come on. All right, appreciate it. It's good. So the goal of the gospel is to share in God's life. A new creation is the result. So a couple practical examples of what it might look like to be a new family on mission. I stole this from someone. But open doors, open tables, open hands. How might we live a life in partnership with God, in fellowship with one another, and in fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? How might we proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God? Well, maybe it starts with opening our doors, inviting people in to see Jesus at work in our midst. Open doors. Maybe we start looking like the gospel. What's the gospel? What's the table of Jesus look like? Does it look monochromatic? Does it look homogenous? Does it look safe? Does everyone just got a clean bill of health? A clean record? No con, no former convicts or no felon felons, right? No. He said, come on in, man. Come on in. Can we open our doors to people? Can we start allowing people to experience life in the life of God? That's how it starts. Open tables. We believe that when we, and that's why we eat together, we're going to eat together in just like one minute. When we pick up our plates, we put down our divisions, and we allow Jesus to work in our midst to unify us. So that yellow, black, brown, red, they're all precious in His sight and they all can be one family. They can all have the new family and a new mission. So open tables, open hands. We're to live a life of generosity and, and um, hold loosely to what we've been given. Remember, conduits, not containers. Conduits, not containers. We pass the blessings on. We hold loosely to what God has given us. But also, we're not just generous. We, we are open-handed to receive as well, to receive the gifts of one another, to receive the gifts of our neighbors and our, our friends and our fellow people. So we release, give what God has given us, and we accept and receive what God has given others. And this is what it means to live in the fellowship of God. I was excited about this service. John makes one last point in verse 4, all right? If you go back, you can read it. But in verse 4, he says, We share this with you so that our joy may be complete. Don't we need joy? Don't, I mean, man, that's what the world is at its core we're looking, we're looking for. Our joy is complete in the fellowship of the people of God with the family of God lived on mission. God wants to share His life with us, and His life is pure love. We were made by love. We were made for love. We were made to love. We were made to live a life of love with God and one another, to enjoy God, 
to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Lord, we thank You for the time that we have, God. Thank You for allowing us to share in Your life. Thank You that we can be on mission with You and, and receive a new family and a new identity. Thank You, Lord. Thank You that we can eat together. Thank You that we can practice uh, tangible expressions of Your good news and Your kingdom. And I pray that You would form us and shape us into a people that love the world uh, in a Jesus kind of way and serve a Jesus-looking God. And we, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so we eat together each week is part of what we do. And um, really, I want to say this is an extended preparation for the Lord's Supper. We are going to invite everyone to partake. Uh, we'll, we'll give an invitation to the table. And so it says in Corinthians that you are to discern the body. What this primarily means is, are you living in fellowship with one another? Are you forgiving one another? Do you have anything? Are you holding grudges against anyone else? Is anyone holding a grudge against you? Have you made things right? You've got time, as we eat together, to make things right with each other. You also have time to step outside and make a phone call if you need to. I'm serious about this. He says, discern your relationships. This is a time to prepare for the Lord's Supper where we, we are invited to the table of Jesus. Um, and so let's do that now. If you're uh, visiting, this will happen real quick. You can just step to the side and people who know what they're doing are going to set up bunches of tables. And uh, go ahead. While If you're visiting, here, here's what I'm going to do. Jump first in line while everyone else sets up, okay? So get in line. Not you, Cheryl. I'm just kidding. I'm just teaching to see. All right. Let's go ahead and do it. It's what? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.